Welcome to the Be Your Own Muse podcast, chicken soup for the weary artist, the content creator, and the vision holder's soul. I'm your host, Katie Skinner. Are you an artist, an entrepreneur, or a recovering perfectionist who wants the secret to boundless inspiration and to never experience any creative blocks ever again? It's my radical belief that the best way to achieve this is to get more acquainted with yourself and your own uniqueness first. In this podcast, I flip the script on the belief that everything we need to succeed and to be great is outside of ourselves. I challenge outdated paradigms that slow our excitement for our work, and I share anecdotes, stories, and inspirational tips and pep talks to fuel your passion, productivity, and success. Permission to look at your work, everything you've accomplished, and yourself in a new light starts now. Hello, welcome back to the Be Your Own Muse podcast. I'm your host, Katie Skinner, and I have with me Jessica Jakes, longtime yoga friend and all around amazing person. Hello, Jess. Thank you so much for being here. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It just only seems natural that you are here. Um, I feel like I've had so many interesting conversations with you, and I feel like you have so many things to say, um, mm-hmm. and I love what what comes up when 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 people talk i mean that's why i made a podcast right uh and i feel like it's just only natural that that you're here so um thank you so much um so for a little bit of background for everyone else jessica jakes is a is a oh my gosh i don't even know if i can get the words right just an awesome person um and a serial entrepreneur she owns multiple businesses jtb wellness which is uh, yoga massage nutrition they have hit they have um, yoga, <laughs> just all the things, um, as well as JTB Hair Spa, which is uh, a hair salon, but they also do skincare, facials, aesthetics. Is oh, that yeah. is that the word? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, eyebrows, eyelashes, like she really, 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 really does it all. Um, mm-hmm. And I am really, really interested in asking you um about your your story on how that got started i i i'm familiar with some parts of it but i'm curious uh you started your business when you had your son right that's right yeah i actually found myself pregnant while in massage school (laughs) so um and that was like a career change for me it was like my third career at age 27 or whatever um and yeah, so I, I found out I was pregnant and I could have gotten kicked out of massage school, but fortunately, um, and that's because there's some massage modalities that we were learning that are contraindicated for pregnancy. So yeah, and that's the only reason. Um, but yeah, luckily I was a, a good student and had done well thus far in the program. So they let me stay. I just had to go back afterwards to do some of those classes. Um, where I couldn't receive the hands-on work. Um, yeah, so I, it, it's like my business is my my second child, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I started doing massage therapy um, in June. It will be, oh my gosh, um, nine years ago in a couple of wow. months. Yeah. Okay. You said this was your third career at age 27. Yeah. And that resonated with me because I'm 27 right now. And I'm like, oh, there's still hope for me. <laughs> like, uh, I feel like I'm on my third career. Just like, I, okay, so I know briefly the story, but yeah. I'm interested like in your maybe Reader's Digest version. What were your other two careers before uh, founding your businesses? Oh, sure. Um, actually, I think I, I'm thinking three maybe. So first, uh, I have an under, like a, a 
bachelor's degree in social thought and political economy. Um, so I was like, I think from, from the beginning, from the time I was young, I've always wanted to somehow influence people, influence the world, like make my mark, make a difference, help people, um, which I think, you know, people who end up in this, this type of industry generally do also, um, clearly I'm a millennial, so there's, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, so I, I did my undergraduate degree and, uh, considered maybe going to law school or something like that. I ended up going, um, I dropped out of grad school, but I did go for social work and I worked in that field for a little while at the time. Um, and this is still kind of an emerging, um, course of study, but connecting mind and body, like within mental health. Um, I, I know we definitely do that in yoga and have always really, but um, I think for um, things that are recognized by the medical community, it's still kind of emerging. So it's really interesting to watch that now. But at the time, there was this big disconnect for me between how we're feeling in our bodies and what we're doing physically with our bodies, how we're spending our time. Um, how we're moving or not moving and and the impact that can have on our mental health. So I was like, yeah, I just don't feel like this is the best approach for me. Um, So, you know, I ended up also, if you've ever had an entry level social work position, it definitely doesn't pay the bills. (laughs) Like here I was coming out trying to be like Miss Independent. Um, So I started, I, I had a friend who worked in a med spa and I just started working there in like an administrative position. I did that for a couple of years and then I was like, nah, like it's a little gray for me here. Um, and then I worked in HR in a business that was close to home. I had some friends that worked there. Um, and again, I was just like, oh, like I'm learning a lot about a family run business. Um, but there are things that I want to do differently and I don't want to work in a cubicle every day. It just wasn't mm-hmm. for me personally. So it doesn't seem like you at all <laughs> from yeah. what I know about you now, but yeah. so obviously like with all of these changes, you can see like distinct career changes, but there was always, I just feel like I'm constantly learning and I take everything that I've learned. All of these experiences have been so valuable for me to where I am now, but I was kind of laughing at what you said, Katie, because, um, you said you're 27, you feel like you've had a bunch of careers. I mean, I think where I landed is so beautiful and perfect for me because yes, I'm still, you know, I I own the same business and I have for the last nine years, but it's evolved so much and it's given me being able to shift and add services and go from just being, you know, a solo practitioner to having a team of 20 something people, um, that's a quite a an adventure so (laughs) there's always different ways to grow but i'm like really comfortable in the i don't want to say niche because i feel like it's it's broadening but um in my little particular avenue Mm -hmm. it feels good right now yeah one thing that i've observed is that you do have so many tabs open in your business like you have so much going on uh and i resonate with that because in my the way that i think creatively is very vada airy energy like Mm -hmm. i always have many tabs open i want to do i want to do it all um (laughs) but also you have that sense of groundedness in each one none of them feel superfluous or unnecessary or like just for the sake of it which i've um i've i've sensed and i've i've made that mistake before too like we're just going to have this just for the for the heck of it for to see if it brings in extra money or or whatever for funsies but i i largely have the impression and i think your community as well has the impression that you're very connected everything is very grounded and connected and that's what 
we're strong. Like that's, that's a me. That's, that's when you know you're in service is, is really what I'm trying to say. And I think what's fascinating and to kind of reflect back what you just said about your career journey to kind of, uh, it, like, it sounds like you have always been in dedication of service. It's just a matter of how, and how can you maximize your own unique, uh, blueprint, what you, who you are and what you're bringing to the table. It, gets clear it, it sounds like it got clearer and clearer over time like okay i can help people in an entry-level social work job that's like kind of what school taught us mm -hmm. to do i mean for reference I, I used to work at a therapist's office so that seemed like very ground level psychology work because that's my major is psychology mm -hmm. um but then i i had i mean i had um a little epiphany at that office job that maybe i'm actually helping more people if i start teaching yoga and that did not make sense to me for the longest time and you just seem like somebody who's really embodied the fact that that like you don't question that like that makes total sense for you yeah i think that uh, i mean it definitely I, I don't think i've always been like this i've i don't know i think i'm often perceived as being um very laid back and chill which is cool and true accurate um but I also like, you know, I have, I can be someone that has a lot of anxiety, you know, and a lot of um, self-doubt. And I think that that was more so um, when I was kind of coming into my own and learning and um, I'm still, I was going to say making mistakes, but like I still make mistakes all the time. And it's like so beautiful because it's the best way to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that's been, um, the, the biggest thing is just uh, not getting too attached, like practicing non-attachment, even with my livelihood, you know, and my business, which, like I said, it's my baby. I called it that, like, right at the beginning of this interview. So I think um, having that awareness and, like, I talk a lot with my team about um, respecting the business and, um, you know, I have to do what's best for the business and stuff like that. Um, so it is its own entity. And that was a journey to kind of like detaching myself from identifying as the business and recognizing that, yes, like I created this thing, but it is separate from me and I have value outside of that. I think that's something I still have to remind myself often. Mm -hmm. um, but just not getting too hung up on if there's something that I want to implement that I really want it to work and maybe it doesn't work out or um, just kind of no, going with the tides, you know, like there are seasons when, um, you know, one class format is particularly popular um, and then, you know, that can change in a couple of months. So you just have to be um, I mean, I personally have had to just be able to kind of roll with things and learn as I go and not get too attached to something. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how, I mean, you kind of just answered that beautifully, but um, I was going to ask you, how does detachment, non-attachment from the energetic imprint that is your business, like it is its own force outside of you, which I, I am still learning that personally. Mm -hmm. um, but how does non-attachment non show up in day-to-day -day, uh, in your business? Hmm. <laughs> um, great question. So I think, um, well, you have to, you have to take ego out of it. It's, it's so, it's funny cause, um, oh gosh, I have such a long answer to this. <laughs> Anything um, is great. Anywhere starting any, long answers are great. Too. <laughs> I was just like my, my astrological chart and stuff and how that influences my answer to this. But like, <laughs> um, just, taking ego out of it and like also oh that's what i was gonna say too in relation to just um like 
transitioning and just being fluid with things um, because like my business now is, is certainly not what it was when I first started it. And also my role has completely changed. I mean, having a team of, I think it's 26 people right now on my payroll, and this is after COVID, like I, I don't have as much support staff and stuff anymore um, because we're just minimizing how many people are in the space. Um, fortunately, uh, we are able to do in-studio classes here in Massachusetts right now. So um, we're doing the things, we're doing live stream and all of that too. But um, yeah, so where was I going with this? So just um, being, I, I have to do a lot of administrative stuff. I have to be um, as supportive as I possibly can be to my team. and. Really, this kind of shifted over the last few months. Towards the end of last year for me, I started realizing like, I don't need to be the best massage therapist in Central Mass or, you know, best yoga studio. I don't have to be everyone's favorite instructor. What I really see my position right now is, um, is to uplift the team that I have built and am continuing to build and just make sure that they are feeling empowered to live their best lives and, you know, that they're feeling really passionate about their work. So, you know, and a few years ago it was, it was important to have these accolades and stuff and to bring my business into the forefront in our community. Um, and obviously that's still important, but it doesn't have to be me. You know, I, I can empower other people to do these things as well. So that's, that's really fun. Yeah. Like when you're, when you're building, um, and there's phases of building, it's not like, Oh, you have one building phase and you're done. But like when you're in the kind of push phase of building, um, I think the accolades, they make a lot of sense. Um, I actually, uh, saw these two interviews by Ariana Grande and this is relevant because you brought up the ego. Um, this interview with her, I think like three, four, four years ago, maybe, um, somebody brought up like her Instagram following. They're like, Oh, you have so many Instagram followers. And she was like, yeah, isn't it amazing? Or she said something like, I'm so excited. We just hit 1 million or I can't remember exactly, but she said something like that. And then there was another interview recently where somebody asked her the same thing. They're like, Oh, you have this amazing accolade. Um, you're so well known, your household name, whatever. And recently, then the recent newer interview, she responded with like, yeah, but if I cared about that, I would just be operating from ego and I cannot afford to do that anymore. Mm. And it was just an interesting refreshing change to like, you really got to turn off your mentions sometimes. <laughs> like you got, you have to like take, look away from the numbers sometimes or uh, look away from the accolades and just be present. And like you said, you're uplifting because you created this thing and there's a certain point where you can't do everything for your baby anymore. Like you have to mm -hmm. step back um, and, 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 and let it be. And I think also something that yoga showed me and like the whole process of the practice, you brought up anxiety as well. Um, something that really helped me was it yoga taught me polarity, like with one, something ex exists in one sh extreme, that means that it is, there's potential for it in the opposite extreme. You said that oh, yes. like things weren't, things weren't always this way. I did, I had such a hard time believing that I thought that things just like were the way that they were. And there was no process of change or growth or like, um, but doing yoga and meeting people like you, like I found, I realized like if it exists in one extreme, then it must in the other or several shades in between. Um, so I, that must be like a fascinating process for you to have gone from one identity to where you are now. Um, 
what has the change or growth process been like? Like, I guess I want to emphasis on the word change. Like how has changing been or unfolding or evolving been throughout these past, I think you said nine years. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's funny because it's initially, it was not very intentional and I have learned to um, live my life with more intention, more deliberately um, and create, and manifest like what I really, what I truly want instead of just kind of like, Oh, this is happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I will say like have, uh, being kind of naive to that, um, in years past has served me. Um, and you know, I love the, the concept that like, there's no wrong path. Like we just have all these choices we can always make. Right. Um, and also just to, to reiterate what you just said, like, I have to remind myself of that all the time. Like, oh my God, if I'm feeling this shitty about this particular situation or whatever, um, then I have the potential to feel like that good about it. And that is like a lifesaver <laughs> when, when things are starting to feel kind of hard. Cause obviously it's not even working in a, a business that, um, I feel is spiritually aligned and feeds my soul. And there's a lot of, um, edification from working in a service that is empowering other people to live their best lives. Like it is awesome. Right. I couldn't ask for anything more than that, but, um, it doesn't mean that it's like, like every day is like rainbows and unicorns, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's a lot of stuff and, and doing the work personally over, especially over the last few years, it is so fucking hard. Are we allowed to swear on this? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I just think it, it, and it gets messy. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I say this, I recently taught like a a, um, journey through the chakras course and I really loved it. Um, And it was interesting to get feedback from the students who took this course. Um, and I, I just, I remember reminding them, it's just, it's like when you're a toddler learning how to walk or like you just got introduced to this new concept and you're going to try it out and it's going to feel really messy, like learning to say no, you know, or, um, other things that don't come naturally to us, uh, seeking external validation, all of those kinds of things. Like when you practice, it can come off, uh, it, it just unnaturally, you know, and aggressive even, um, So that's what, I guess, tying back to your question over the years, it's just been, sometimes it's been a little messy. Sometimes it's been really uncomfortable. I've made massive mistakes, um, but I've made a lot of really good choices too. Um, Even, (laughs) so I had this, I had a a one room, like a a massage studio. Mm -hmm. And the reason that the first time that I expanded my business was to bring in yoga classes. And it was because I was so incredibly busy with massage clients and they were coming in so often. Um, Many of my regulars would come in every week or every other week. And I just felt like I was doing them a disservice by having them come in, taking their money and they would feel okay for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to help empower them to um, really live in their bodies. And I think that's, that's kind of, that's the underlying, like, uh, that's the theme. That's kind of like my mission. And and I think a lot of yoga teachers feel this way um, is to help people to connect with their bodies. We spend so much time just in our heads and disconnected from what's going on in our bodies. So 
um, bringing in yoga classes into my little one-room studio. I'd move all the furniture out. I had a friend who taught yoga who was my first yoga teacher, um, as in I did my first yoga teacher training with her. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we'd move, we could fit eight students and it was like mat to mat. Wow. Um, and that's how it started. So just to give people another tool, um, because, you know, I knew they already trusted me um, to help them learn how to be embodied. Um, and then eventually I had a contractor client who asked me one day, his wife also owns a business, and he asked me one day if I oh, hey, do you still want a yoga studio? And so where I live, it's, it's pretty rural. Um, there's not a lot of commercial properties around here. And so that was my response. I was like, well, yeah, but there's, there's no spaces around here. Um, and he introduced me to the space that I'm in currently. So I went from like 300 square feet to 4,000 square feet. Wow. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> it was like a good idea. Like I can do that. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I don't know if that was like, the the best I mean it's the best thing I probably have done for my business but it was also like wow yeah I was definitely like it's one of those things you know I never consulted with anybody yeah. I didn't really realize what I was getting into um, from a financial standpoint or otherwise but still yeah. stand yeah. I, I mean I will say to your defense on the quote-unquote impulsive or like non-consulting or like the huge upgrade decision is that the sooner that you leap or like make that big decision and leaps aren't old, like it's business isn't just like all leaps for anybody out there who, who thinks that, because I know that I definitely thought that because my business was born out of, out of leaps, like just do it, just go jump, jump, jump. Yeah. Um, but the benefit to a leap is that you can recover quicker. <laughs> like the shock, you recover it more quickly. Um, I assume <laughs> for many, um, for me personally, I quit my job in, in a very similar way. Like I had a nine to five job um, and a pr an opportunity presented itself for me to leave um, without having, I had savings, but it wasn't like I had a guaranteed income outside of it, but I had my business, but my business wasn't guaranteed. It was only dependent on me. Um, and so I quit and I sometimes look back and I kind of kick myself for like, oh, you quit way too soon. Like I hear other people who say like, oh yeah, I didn't quit until my business was generating $20,000 per month. Or I didn't quit until I had a hundred thousand dollars in savings. And I was like, ooh, I did not wait that long. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely didn't do that. It was, and I also was moving to Washington DC uh, right beforehand. So I was, I quit. And then I moved to the most expensive city in the world. Not, not literally, but one of the most expensive cities mm -hmm. um, where you have a really hard time finding a place to live if you don't have proof of income and like tax information. Mm -hmm. And I had nothing. It was me and my husband who was a student at the time. And we just were like, I don't know, we want to live in the city. We fortunately lucked out, but the benefit, I mean, anytime I look back on myself being like, that was way too, that was just too much. Like, what were you doing? <laughs> um, I recovered from the trauma and the shame and the hardship of working at a job that was really hard on me emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, I was just going through a lot of that job and I was able to recover from it quicker. So I do feel now like that job, the, the hardships of that capitalist like environment, that rat race are behind me. And I don't feel like still emotionally activated by it anymore because I quit at that time. So to your benefit, to your defense, <laughs> um, the studio you have currently is beautiful and it is a big jump from 300 to, I think you said 4,000. Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 It's, um, 
beautiful and it holds a community. I mean, I used to teach <laughs> yoga classes out of my DC studio, which was 500 square feet total mm-hmm. and the space could fit four people. And uh, it was, I mean, it, it was what it had in heart, what it lacked in space, it made up for it in heart and mm-hmm. desire to help people. But <laughs> there is definitely something to be said about people feeling open and airy and um, like they can just gel and be and and that's like what you bring is those people for a space to bring and hold space for them to relax and to kick their butt if if they need which you you know like I said you do it all <laughs> uh, <yeah>, we do <laughs> um so you mentioned anxiety you're talking about mm-hmm. uh like your you know we talked about polarity we talked about change um and you've mentioned before that your your all all of the things that you do like i think you're you're certified educated have a background have have embodied experience in many different types of fitness modalities mm-hmm. um like for example you know the the more high intensity fit uh classes high intensity like hit classes um as well as yoga nidra as well as booty yoga as well as booty sculpt as well as um then you're also a reiki master right like that's just like a, that's a, that's a, a varied spread Um, and so I feel like you have a very interesting, I'm interested in your perspective on using these modalities and like the medicine that they all have in common. Um, I told somebody today that weightlifting can be spiritual and she kind of looked at me a little funny for a second, but I feel like you might understand. Um, I I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it can be. And I have another, for anybody who's a little more interested in that, I have another episode on this podcast with Jennifer Schwartz, where she talks about how you can't separate the, you can't separate the body from the mind and the spirit. Like we can't just ascend without our bodies because she is an expert in weightlifting. Um, she is a muscle activation technique therapist. Um, she knows all about that. So there's another episode if you're interested in that. Um, but you have such a varied experience. I'm curious how, what you mean when you say, or what, what we mean when we say um, that movement can heal or manage depression and anxiety. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious about um your your embodied experience there yeah definitely um yeah so I can only obviously speak to my my own personal experience and things that I've witnessed um I I think this is somewhere we have to be cautious right because Mm -hmm. um, some people uh are going to best manage their anxiety and depression in, in their own way whether that's um medication talk therapy um, there's all kinds of different options, but I know for me, I, um, I have, I got, I feel like my whole life I've had uh, a certain level, like baseline anxiety and low grade depression at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, d- I don't really think that's unique. I think many people in our society, um, struggle with this and we all have to learn how to manage it and like what, what's okay what's okay enough and what's thriving, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's a huge difference there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, I mean, I started practicing yoga. I, I was always, I was always playing like basketball. I was pretty tall as a kid and stuff. Um, so I was always playing different sports on teams and stuff. And then I kind of cut back on that my senior year of high school. And that's when I started doing yoga and it was just like a a yoga DVD that my mom had. Um, but I would do it. I'd like make myself do it a couple of times and I, I sort of liked it. And then as I, um, went into college, I, I started doing more 
more yoga and then it just really evolved over the years to now it's it's like my medicine Mm -hmm. um and there have been different experiences with yoga that I have that have served me at different times um whether it's a more vigorous uh yoga practice more meditative um or like really just holding holding postures and actually my latest thing is chanting have you gotten into chanting at all Katie um no but I I remember I took some yoga classes um, I remember the feeling of, of, to answer your question briefly as I can, <laughs> um, I remember getting into some yoga classes where um, they would have us chant like Om at the end. And I remember not knowing why I was doing this and having been raised very religious, I was very skeptical at first. Like, why am I doing this? I don't know what we're doing. It yeah. seemed, I was scared because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this just because some leader told me to in a spiritual context that I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I was raised uh, very Mormon. And so I just like, look to yoga to kind of neutralize that um so it took me some time i have i can't say that i've gotten into it but i have peeled back that sticker that says i don't understand i'm scared you know what i mean like i've started to peel that off um and when somebody bothers to explain like why we do things or meet you at your level i have found that that's where a lot of my transformation yoga came into so um i do know the benefits of it i do know i actually learned in one of my psychology classes in college about humming like how humming can be therapeutic um and it's the same thing that the chanting technology has been saying to us for thousands of years so no i can't say that i have but please tell me about yours because i i oh yeah no i just um i feel like it's it's one of those things people seem to either know a lot about or um it's like the piece of yoga that they're like nah, i really haven't tried that you know because it's uncomfortable man it's like Mm -hmm super uncomfortable. So I did, uh, um, last, last year I did, I, I was, I was this person that was very uncomfortable with chanting. And even now I don't, um, open or close my, my yoga classes typically by chanting om. Um, but I will, I will sometimes add other chants and usually I use it as an opportunity to extend the exhale for my students. Um, and that's, I think one huge benefit of it. Um, however, I, last year I did a 40 day Kriya and I, because I was so uncomfortable with chanting, I, uh, decided that I wanted to explore where that was coming from and, and learn a little bit more about this and see how it can impact my life. So I did, uh, 40 days doing the same chanting meditation, um, at the same time every day for 40 days. And I, I loved it. It was amazing. And it really changed my, um, perspective on chanting and, you know, what it can do for you. So I found that wildly therapeutic. Um, but just to, to, to revert back to your question. So I guess my point is that I feel like there's, there's a yoga for everyone and Mm -hmm. whoever you are on that day, like you can find a yoga practice that will serve you and like nourish your, your body and your spirit. Right. So, um, and it's been really interesting to see how that's shifted over the years. And I mentioned my first yoga teacher who used to come into my little studio and teach and, it's funny because that was like eight, probably eight years ago, eight or nine years ago now. No, less than that. But anyway, um, sometime between that, I don't know, sometime between. This wasn't the lady in the DVD, right? <laughs> What's <sorry>. that? 
the instructor in the DVDs that your mom, I'm sorry. I know, no. Um, so, but it's funny because I learned so much from her and it was like, when you do a yoga teacher training, you're presented in general for the most part with so much content and so much information that some things stick and some things don't. And I recently, I've been working on developing my own 200 hour curriculum. And so I've just been going through like every training I've ever done and just kind of piecing together things that I've personally found valuable. And um, when I look back at the stuff from that training, I'm like, wow, it's really full circle um, because this teacher's approach was much more mindful and not like rushing through poses, kind of marinating and stuff and allowing things to come up energetically. And very quickly after I finished my 200 hour training with her, I kind of switched gears and I wanted to move really fast all the time. Um, and that, I mean, that was like where I was at. And That's interesting. Wait, why do you think that is? Just out of curiosity. Um, I've thought about that a lot and I, I'm not sure that I know for certain because it does come and go and there, um, there are some days when I do want to move really fast. And I, I will say that like my vinyasa style classes, I think I do, uh, there's more emphasis on creative sequencing than, um, holding shapes for any length of time, <laughs> you know, and I only recently started kind of cycling, like planning a sequence and moving through it a little more mindfully holding things for three to five breaths and then repeating the sequence and matching movement to breath. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a newer thing that I'm doing. Um, not new to yoga by any means. I think this is what <laughs> seasoned instructors in general will do. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't anything I was doing before. I was like, how many things can I cram into <laughs> one, a one hour class? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I, I think that it was just, I felt, I don't know. I think maybe that's like, I was having my, my own energy was a little more chaotic. Um, at well, the I don't think to get into your, to your uh, defense, I, I asked because I experienced something very similarly mm-hmm. um, where I was found, found yoga by finding, um, you know, Indian men on YouTube doing vinyasa flows or what have you. And I, or sun salutations and I would go with them. Like that's what I did uh, a, a lot or also Tara styles on YouTube. Like that was my introduction to yoga um, was just finding these people on YouTube. And then after a certain point, for example, around the time that I found booty yoga, um, mm-hmm. which for those of you who are not familiar is a style of yoga that incorporate is, is very quick, fast paced um, and is usually high energy and incorporates all of it. Like it's just all of it in an hour, <laughs> all of it <laughs> as much as you can in an hour. Um, yeah. and when I found booty yoga, I think that it found me at a perfect time when I was ready to pick up the pace. Um, and that's what happens when people resonate with things. So I wasn't asking because I was like, what were you running from Jess? <laughs> but like, I didn't but- feel at all. No, I just, I'm kind of, I'm obviously, it's just stream of consciousness. I'm kind of thinking out loud and trying to tap in. And I actually agree with what you said. Cause I think um, it was shortly after I finished my first 200 hour that I started teaching, that I started training and, and teaching booty mm-hmm. training. I trained in booty, I should say. And then mm-hmm. I started teaching that. Um, and then that's actually how you and I met, right? So it was at yeah. the advanced training advanced training yeah (laughs) um but yeah and I think actually that was that was like monumental for me because it showed me um yoga in a new way 
um, and it was very fun and loud. And um, I think I, I got a lot more confident um, in that. And it did, it helped me sort of tap, and it still does, I still teach it, mm -hmm. um, tap into that flow state. Um, and I think that it helped me develop a lot of things and I just wasn't, I didn't have the language for them or I wasn't like connecting the dots because as I've continued to learn and grow in yoga, I realized like, oh yeah, flow states, like, you know, when your ego identity solar plexus mm -hmm. is aligned with your third eye and you can be okay with the fact that like you're, you're perfect right here, right now, and simultaneously a work in progress, right? So it's kind of like how we tap into flow. Mm -hmm. And um, and you, you're you sort of forced to do that when you teach booty. You can't, you really can't overthink it. You're sort of, you're just in your body yeah. and moving and calling it out as you move, so. And in the, there's an all quicker paced movement. Um, there is a surrendering moment where you realize like, you're never gonna get everything perfect. Uh, my my mom used to teach Zumba. No, sorry, my sister. My mom used to take my sister used to teach Zumba, and she said that she would notice that people would try to keep up with her so much that she would like sometimes try to throw them off just so that they would have fun, um, <laughs> because there would be this focus on like I need to get all the moves correctly or else I won't get my money's worth. I don't know. I mean, actually, I do know because I actually do feel like I was raised with that um, scarcity and movement of like you're missing out if it's not perfect. I also, my first introduction to physicality and, and love of movement was dancing. I uh, was trained in ballet, tap, jazz. Um, and when I found, we found modern dance, for those of you who uh, are familiar, modern dance is like the antithesis to ballet because ballet believes in the importance of the structure and the strength of the limbs. Like the, 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 the leg, the extension needs to be on point. Um, you're always in control of your arms and your legs the core is there to support you and uplift you and make you do those amazing pirouettes and um, what have you. Um, but the modern dance invented by Martha Graham, like I don't even remember how many years later, many years later, uh, the concept was like the core is the most important, have a strong core, have a strong center. The limbs can just do whatever. They're just long for the ride. So do a jump, let your arms fly in the air, uh, you know, have a very, there was a really strong emphasis on like core training and stability and like weight placement. But when you're dancing, let your arms, legs do whatever feels free. Like just do whatever you want. It doesn't like, there's not that, that emphasis on perfection with the arms and legs, but there is on the core and the, the weight balance. And when I found modern dance, that's when I was like, oh, maybe movement is fun. Maybe we can enjoy this. Maybe this isn't for the performance. Um, so I resonated when my sister told me that people were frustrated because they weren't getting the, the countdown and she would just kind of throw them off to let them have fun and then, like, I think that's what you're saying is attaching the solar plexus in the third eye to just let it be fun I think um, I even found when I was teaching booty uh, that people had this emphasis on getting it right and it was very uncomfortable for them to be thrown out of their comfort zone um, because it is so fast-paced so there is like a, a time in your life where there's this natural attraction to it and I can assume that you relate to this because you're so multifaceted in movement styles that there also comes a time where you're like, dude, I just want to slow down. Like, I just want to yeah. like yoga nidra. I want to lay here. Yeah. I don't want to be shaking or vibrating or jumping. Um, and I can, I can feel like I've taken a class and I can feel that, that feeling in my body when my, my body is telling me like, no, 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 this is not it. Like, um, mm -hmm. I've, I've modified in, in booty, for example, when there's like the jumps on your, the balls of your feet, 
and you're jumping and your legs are up, like your feet are leaving the mat or what uh, have you. And I've, I, sometimes I, my body's like, this is it. Like, hell yes, we want this. Exactly. Like, it feels like it's tapping into your inner child of like, we want to jump for joy. Like, yes, put your hands above your head and clap. This is what we want. <laughs> and then there's other times where I'm like, no, 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 I'm getting too old for this right now. Like, I'm just not feeling this right now. Um, please let me lay on the floor. Um, yeah. And I love what you said about dance and different styles of dance and, um, and that layers of perfectionism. I just think that's so profound. Even um, being someone who, yeah, I've, I've been type A. I've had to work so hard on that, you know, and just be like, okay, with whatever it is on any level. But kind of what I was saying before, how there's a different style of yoga. Um, I teach a beginner course and I always say to the students, like, hey, if you hate, if you hate vinyasa, try something else. And if you hate that, try a different thing. There's so many different mm -hmm. styles. And it is the same thing with dance, which is kind of newer to me. I started learning more about dance as I started teaching booty. And then, you know, since then, like now I take, uh, I teach bar, I take ballroom dance classes. I'm now teaching 305 fitness, which is more like choreographed hip hop dance. Oh my God, um, fun. <laughs> and it's, funny, it's just funny that um, each, specific style of dance or yoga or whatever it is it has the foundation of like this is what makes it that thing and like these are the important elements and if if you are unaware that there are like different branches of dancing or doing yoga that have different emphasis or different foundations then you might not know so it can be like oh god like I hate this but I just got to keep doing it like this is what yoga is you know yeah. And that's the same thing, like, in business, um, you know, that I've learned over the years. Like, hey, if, if, if one thing isn't working, like, you can find a different – I don't know. I've never actually had, like, a business coach, but, like, you know, I read a lot of books, and there's a lot of different um, – people who will want to mentor you and stuff from different perspectives. And there's always, it's, it's like, what's resonating with you this year or this quarter or whatever it is, you know, there's going to be, it has to feel right. Oh yeah. I, um, when I first started my business, I found, um, I actually got into a couple arguments with my sister because my sister has an, um, an MA in business. Mm -hmm. Um, she doesn't, she doesn't have her own business, but she went, she got, she got her, uh, she went to get her master's in business. Um, and she was telling me when I first started, like, in order to have, like, she was just kind of giving me like that structured academic advice. Like you must have this, you must have that. Every business is the same, whether you're selling socks or advice to people on the internet, like who Venmo you <laughs> 50 bucks for an hour of your time, like whatever, it's all the same. Um, and I didn't feel like that was right in my, in my body. Like that just didn't feel like it resonated with me. Um, but you know, she's my sister. She went to school for this. She knows better than me. Right. And I kept meeting all these people and listening to all these podcasts and hearing all these people and reading all these books who said, if it doesn't feel right, you're, you will not be successful. Like that was just like the talk of the town and like the spiritual, uh, you know, I think of like the spiritual millennial movement where like these people, our age just decide, like from my perspective, that's what I saw. And I know there's so much more to the story than this, but like from my perspective, it was just like these millennials who said enough is enough and just decided to start a business and they pushed through this comfort and kept moving forward. And then they just now have a business and they're fine. And like, they don't resonate with like what I was saying earlier, they no longer resonate with the trauma of a business and they, the, sorry, the trauma of a, of a 
a job they don't like. They don't resonate with feeling um, not financially abundant. They don't resonate with that anymore. And they're able to help more people now because they're not as emotionally activated by those problems. But mm. back to what you were saying, <laughs> um, when I started, I kept hearing people say, don't listen to the like these people who are just trying to like give you advice that doesn't feel good if it doesn't feel good you will not be successful and somewhere deep down i like also didn't accept that like i needed proof that that was true and mm -hmm. lo and behold i got exactly what i was asking for because time and time and time again it has been shown to me so clearly that if it does not feel good it will not go it will not move it will not the car will not drive um and i the biggest humbling moment I had with that was in 2019, 2019 when I shaved my head was because my hair was just like, like she just fell off. She was like, this is a stressful place to be. We don't want to be here. Uh, sounds like you could use a fresh start. So we're just going to go. And just like clumps would come out in the shower because I was holding on to this belief that it had to be painful. It had to be uncomfortable. Um, and I thought that any moment of joy in my business or any like client who I really enjoyed working with or like anything was just a like a, a like a fleeting moment it was not some like it was just like a perk you know kind of like the coffee that you have at your office you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah. uh, like the my free, previous job we would get free stuff sometimes like my boss would give us free perks and stuff and i just kind of i just thought that like oh the perks are the perks but the job itself has to be stressful um and i didn't realize that like i was in control so what you just said about how all the things we just said about yoga applying to entrepreneurship um very much resonate with me um and now i feel like my business is like 75 percent pleasure for sure like i enjoy the majority of what i do the rest is just like i talked about this in a youtube video once where to, to new people who are um starting entrepreneurship journeys i kind of gave like this word of caution and i didn't mean to scare anybody but i gave a word of caution saying if you're starting your own business, one thing I want to let you know is like, it's a job. It's just a job. It's not this like amazing thing that's going to skyrocket your life and make your whole world unicorns and rainbows. Like you were saying earlier, like it's not always funsies, especially if your business started off in like a lightning bolt, thunderclap, like enlightening moment. It's not always going to be like that. And just because it doesn't feel like that doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, not every day is going to feel like you're upgrading your space from 300 to 4,000 square feet. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, not every day is going to feel like that. And that's not like it is, it's a job. Like this is what I do for money. This is how I pay my bills. This is how mm -hmm. I afford to do the things I want to do. Um, but at the same time, like if it doesn't, and this is just something that people have to embody. Like you, you can't just take my word for it. Like go out there and see what it feels like. See how your business does when you're doing things you don't want to do versus things that you really want to do. Um, I mean, I feel like I could talk about that forever because when I coach um, new freelance writers, they ask me a lot, um, what's the most profitable niche? What's the most profitable topic? Who are the most high paying clients? And I went through that as well. And the most profitable niche is the one that you can go on and on and on about the one that you can do lots of research. Like yoga for me was a profitable niche because I was in doing yoga. I was meeting people who were, who were yoga teachers. I was meeting them. If it, if I wanted to get into like the dental work niche, I, I would have a really hard time because I have nothing to say to speak on it, but I have heard that dental work or like dentists are a very high paying niche. I've heard that's like one of the top ones. I don't know. That's a lot, but <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I think that just letting life be your business coach, I think is enough personally. Sometimes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause 
tying into what you were just saying, I sometimes it's just also recognizing your own patterns and habits mentally and emotionally. And I think that's been the biggest gift um, for me from yoga. And even, you know, even recently, like a couple of weeks ago, I was saying to my boyfriend, like, oh, I'm so stressed out, like <laughs> mm-hmm. thinking about my day or whatever. And then I, I like just took a deep breath and I'm like, okay what's, you know, I get to be with my son most of the day. We're homeschooling right now. Mm -hmm. And then I get to go in and I have two massage clients and I get to teach a vinyasa class. I'm like, okay, I just have to like recognize that me feeling stressed out is just my MO. It's familiar to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, I get to go, I get to do so many things that I love to do today all day, you know, so I get to choose, like be conscious of my patterns and choose to divert, you know, and recognize the joy that's available there instead of just the anxiety or the stress. And I think it's like having that level of self-awareness and also um, recognizing the spaces between the thoughts, which is another uh, big gift from yoga, just recognizing that pause and recognizing just being in your physical body, letting the thoughts pass through. And then um, also just finding the calm and the chaos, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, yoga classes can be physically strenuous. It can be hard to just sit still if that's the style of class that you're doing. There's just, there's a lot of layers there. And just finding that that moment when it lands and you feel that vibration um, of connectedness, of your true self, whatever you want to call it, spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, But knowing that, like, you create that for yourself, you know? Every time you come, like, you do that. So that's the magic for me. So you, it's awesome because as soon as I'm about to ask you a question, you, you, you get into answering it. Um, but I want to give you the option to like actually answer the question specifically if you, if you want to. Um, so you were talking about your, like how you had to, you know, hang out with your son. You had to, you, you got yeah. to hang out with your son. You yeah. uh, taught these classes, you know, you gave massage, you gave massages. And like, I, I do know you wear a lot of hats. Um, and for me, if I have more than like two things of different hats to wear in a day, I like, I mean, what I'm working on is like, I just tend to shut down. (laughs) Um, I'm just like, well, I'm not going to do any of it and I can't do it until I hire someone to do this for me. So my question is like, how do you ground yourself or how do you get yourself to flip? Or, or I don't even want to say it's a flip because it might not necessarily be a flip for you if it's like all in alignment for you. But, uh, the story I'm currently telling myself is, um, I can't copyright in the morning and then have a podcast interview at night and then do yoga for myself in the afternoon. Like, and I can't be a wife in the morning. I can't be a daughter in the afternoon. Like I just can't, I can't, but I do know at this point before this interview, I knew that that was a limiting belief. So I'm curious what your um, grounding technique or your, or your switch technique is, I guess. Um, It's funny that you say that because I do struggle with that sometimes personally, particularly if I have to Um, bounce back and forth between different roles. Like if I have to have uh, a meeting with an employee or um, something like that, a vendor or something, if I have a meeting like that and then I have a massage client and then I teach a yoga class and then I have another massage client, Mm -hmm. um, that can be really difficult for me. Um, 
And I don't even, I haven't even been able to pinpoint why, but that's another thing that I'm, I'm starting to get to this place where I'm like, if I have a feeling that's uncomfortable for me, I tend to resist it so hard and I like want to be able to explain everything about it. And I recently was having um, a lot of anxiety, like driving to this dinner. I was taking some people from my team out to dinner and I was like freaking out about it because I was like, oh, I have to be social. <laughs> and, um, and then, and I did tell them about this at dinner, so it's fine. Um, but it was when I stopped resisting the feeling, I was like, okay, like, this is just how I feel right now. I don't have to force myself to change it. Um, it became so much more manageable. Um, so for me right now, obviously, like given the, the circumstances of the world and the pandemic and everything right now, mm -hmm. I'm just really trying to tap into, I do, my, my hours are much more limited because I am homeschooling. Um, and my work schedule has completely changed. I saw a post that you did recently, Katie, about um, uh, how you were posting at a certain time and you're like, I know this isn't the time they say you're supposed to post or whatever, but like, this is the best time for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm referencing? No, I don't, um, but uh, this happens, it's like, this happens a lot where people say like, oh, you said this thing. And I'm like, I guess I did. I say a lot of things and I've kind of like released the expectation of like how it's received or like yeah. you know what I mean so I just know I trust that it landed for you I don't know what you're referencing but I have had that thought before yes <laughs> yeah no I loved it because I, I really like I I firmly believe like that's you have to be true to yourself and like that doesn't mean we can we can always get what we want and like every circumstance is going to be ideal but like the things that you can manage like to have that self-awareness I think is really important um, that being said, I'm so much better in the morning and now I'm like working in the evenings. So I come into work most days around four o'clock and that's been a difficult transition for me. And that's why I'm doing the kind of bouncing. Whereas before I might have like taught a class and then been able to like clean myself up and then move on to the next part of my day. Um, whatever that looked like, but now everything's kind of just jammed together because I have limited time that I can actually be physically at my business. So, um, to, to answer your question, how do I ground is I just try and be present and, and focus on gratitude and, um, you know, in this, this particular day and age, just really trying to connect. Cause I think that's like what we're missing the most. And fortunately I, I haven't been taking any new one-on-one -on -one clients um, for a while. And so when I do get to see them, whether it's a yoga client or a massage client, I generally have a long-standing relationship with them. So it, it's nice to nurture that. And so I just focus on that. And then if I have to bounce from an individual client to a group class back to an indivi individual client, um, I just try and stay present through all of it. And it seems to be working. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... That's good. I mean, like, because I guess when you're not present, you're worried about uh, where you just came from or where you're about to go. Um, and you're taking that away. I mean, like, I think about, I've never given a professional massage, but I think about like, if you're massaging somebody and you're constantly worried about the next thing in a way that is physically representative, not that you like always have to be perfect in the present mm -hmm. moment. Um, but like, if you're visually agitated or visually worried while giving massage, while teaching a yoga class, um, and it's apparent that 
you're there's some this isn't where you want to be repeatedly like that's mm-hmm. not good for you um because you've made sacrifices to be where you are um and one thing that my my husband says he te- he te- tells his students he's a math teacher um one of the things that he shared with me, I thought this was so beautiful and I, I take away from it a lot. He told me that was something that he says to his students who um, similar, like kind of similar, but I, at first I thought this like didn't resonate with me. Like, oh, this isn't my deal, but it actually does. So he teaches um, high schoolers and the majority of them are going through like intense financial trauma or like some of them are homeless and some of them do not have a computer at home. Um, and just like, just a lot, like sometimes they come and they're like, how is this man telling me to care about algebra when i don't even know if like my parents are going to be home just like it's he's dealing with that and something that he tells his students repeatedly is there's nowhere else i'd rather be than right now like he just he makes an effort to tell them that he cares about where he is and he cares about them Mm -hmm. like i don't i don't know why but i just thought that that was like so beautiful and he's like i'm not sure if it really makes a difference but it does for me to just remind them constantly this is where i want to be maybe you don't want to be here but this is where I want to be. Um, and I, lo- I love that. So I, I, I feel like being present, you are saying with your energy, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than here right now with you, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and I know as a yoga teacher, uh, there was a couple jobs I took just for the money. Like I didn't really, ca- I didn't really connect with the community. I didn't know them very well. Um, I, I deep down in retrospect, I took that job because I wanted the money. Um, and I could tell that in my energy, I was not I was not showing up as there's nowhere else I'd rather be than right now. Um, mm-hmm. It was, I, I just, in an hour, I'm going to make another 40 bucks. So whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I can feel how that feels now to me. It feels like um, wearing an itchy sweater when there's somewhere else that you'd rather be. It feels like I'm wearing an itchy sweater and to change my mindset or to change where I physically am uh, is to like take off that sweater and wear something more comfortable. Um, so I've always admired that aspect of you to be able to be present through so many things. Not that it's perfect and it never, ever, ever has to be, but to admire like just how you would admire like a really tall tree that has a lot of leaves on it and big roots. You mm-hmm. admire somebody who's so in their practice, like, you know, you're so someone who's so um, advanced, I, su- I suppose, in, in the practice of presence. Uh, and I think that's what you embody. And I think that's, that's that's cool (laughs) um and i think if you were answering phone somewhere or at a med spa or as a social Mm -hmm. worker and you weren't exuding there's nowhere else i'd rather be um then that would reflect on to your clients that would reflect on to your coworkers. and i i mean i know i've been in spaces where everyone else would rather be anywhere else in the world like just all your coworkers in your cubicle um they they all make it very clear that that's not where they want to be right now and that's not a fun space to be um so if you've ever i know you have jess but like if anybody listening has ever been in just like a circle a class a a group anything where you really feel like everyone there wants to be there um and that's what i think is beautiful about like how like the place that you and i met was just like an advanced training people traveled to be there people paid to be there um, they didn't have to be there. Nobody, like you had to be there at like 8am, like nobody, you know, you didn't need to do that, but we all actively chose to be there. And that's yeah. like the kind of energy that I want. That being said, that being said, one quick thing I'll say is I remember being 16 years old. I went to New York city and I got to take a class and meet a Broadway dancer. 
he was in oh my god I, i'm blanking on the play i'm blanking on it but it's a musical that was on broadway i'm so sorry i'm gonna think of it in like 20 minutes anyway um i met a, he was one of the dancers on broadway and people we were asking him questions like how did you get to be there and do you like it and what's it like you know we were just asking him all these questions and he said sometimes i don't want to be there and that's okay and like he, he said something to that effect and i remember being like whoa you mean you don't always just like feel enthusiastic and orgasmically in love with what you do every second like that was mind-blowing to me because as a 16 year old high schooler i thought that being on broadway as a backup dancer was like everything in the world um but like i was saying earlier sometimes it's just a job and that's okay too so mm -hmm. holding space for the the, the duality there <laughs> yeah and i think like just having um checking in with yourself on that regularly to avoid burnout I think that's that's the most important thing because obviously not ever I, I don't always get this right you know <laughs> like there are definitely times when I'm like wow feeling really overwhelmed or like I didn't have enough time to prepare or whatever it is like something gets thrown at me that kind of throws me off um but it's just knowing your limit with that and knowing when you need to take a break or shift something um to, to give yourself what you need yeah i yeah <laughs> and that's a that's a lifelong lesson yeah there or i mean it, it it doesn't have to i don't know i'm I'm trying to be wary of like telling somebody else how long it will take them to learn something because mm -hmm. i've been humbled i mean that's a whole other thing but i've been humbled massively in the concept of time very recently um that like time is not i mean you've heard this before maybe if you've met someone who's ever taken psychedelics they'll say time isn't real it's a construct of course um <sighs> but like I, I i learned very recently like because i used to tell my clients like oh this will take you like it took me like three years to get this so don't worry i would tell them like oh don't worry it took me like you know i've been doing this for 10 years and i still don't get it or whatever and you say that to kind of seek to relate to people for sure mm -hmm. um but i had a humbling realization recently that um, time is bendable and it doesn't always resonate with people the same way. Like some people will experience like quantum leaps in consciousness overnight. Like they will go through 10 years of therapy in a day. Um, mm -hmm. I know I certainly feel like I've gone through years of therapy in just a few weeks um, or, or schooling, like a schooling on a certain subject. Um, so I am mindful of telling somebody how long or how short something will take, but just know that like time is incredibly personal to, to, yeah. to everybody. Yeah. And sometimes there's, there've been times when I'm like, oh yeah, I got that lesson. And then like a year later it shows up again, yeah. you know, I'm just sure. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <I love> <laughs> um, so I wanted to, uh, this is amazing. Um, so I wanted to um, wrap up by asking you two questions that I ask everybody. It used to be longer, but I've shortened it. Um, mm -hmm. What is one of your mantras? Like, what do you, what, you know what a mantra is, but like, I, I, what do you find yourself saying when you're at like a turning point or like a, uh, a fork in the road? What is your mantra? Mm, great question. Um, <laughs> I, so there's this concept in yoga called Sankalpa, um, which is just sort of something we talk about this in yoga nidra, uh, which is, it's sort of the art of yogic sleep, um, it's been described as, so it's sleep with conscious awareness. And so your sankalpa, you kind of get into this med meditative state and it sort of works through the koshas, if you're familiar with that. So like physical body, emotional body, like your brain, 
Um, so you're in kind of a semi-hypnotic state and you're invited to just let your Sankalpa come to you, which is like your, your personal mantra. Um, and so I think in that regard, um, to answer your very specific question about like if I'm at a turning point or something, um, mm-hmm. what comes to me is just like more and more I embody love. Mm. Um, but I've also been doing a lot of affirmation work mm-hmm. lately, um, which has been pretty fun. And I changed my affirmations every 20 days or so. Um, and the one that I've been holding on to uh, for the last few cycles of changing has been, um, I find the good in everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and that's been really powerful for me. And it's been, um, I, I mentioned kind of trying to focus on gratitude and joy um, earlier in the interview. And so that sort of embodies that for me, just realizing, you know, because I think at, at the heart of it, we all sort of understand that everybody has a story, everybody has like their backpack with whatever their experiences have been that they're bringing. But in the heat of the moment or like in a quick exchange with someone, we tend to, we uh, obviously making a generalization here, but I know I can lose sight of that, you know, and maybe not exhibit compassion in my interaction. I'm not like horrible to people (laughs) or anything like that, but you know, it's just having a a certain, like a heightened level of awareness, um, like to find, especially people that can be challenging or whatever, um, having a bad day, whatever it is, um, recognizing like, yeah, I find the good in everyone and everything. And, yeah, that's been huge for me. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I love that because I know um, for me, I tend to like withdraw. I mean, maybe the, mm. the pattern that I've made clear in this episode so far is that I have more of an avoidant personality type when there's conflict. Um, like I tend to just kind of like shut down if if there's something that I don't like. But I have found and the pandemic has made it easy that I've I've started like I've, I've tended to avoid people um and i've fallen into like the ugh i hate people or like i just don't want to deal with people um because in my relatively short time in customer service food service um what have you like dealing with people um on the, over the phone and stuff i felt like i dealt with just nastiness for an eternity that just affected me so deeply that i became like a little bit of a hermit and like i just love that my work is virtual because i can choose when i show up and when i don't but i do tend to find myself um not showing up for people a lot or uh for example i'm selling something on craigslist and i got a bunch of requests this morning and i noticed that they weren't like very kind like they weren't kind or um like what's the word polite like uh questions they were just like very short and like people were trying to haggle with me and i was like ugh, like i just feel like not even selling it anymore i was like i'm just gonna give up because you guys are all just whack energy all over the place but (laughs) that's not gonna carry me very far in life if i'm just like uh i'm not going if there's no bad vibes like (laughs) i mean i'm not going if there's any bad vibes um yeah like that that is there's a beautiful time for that for sure like the incubator period but um i I love that reminder because it does feel relevant for me so um that's freaking cool um so my next question is what does be your own muse mean for you what comes up when you when you when you hear that um I, I feel like this is kind of a lame answer maybe, but I, I do think it is, it's like, it's not just being your authentic self. I think it's like actually taking the time to learn what 
authentic is to you? Because that's like sort of a buzzword mm-hmm. people will throw out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there were, especially like the early years of my business, I've, I feel like I, I thought I was being authentic, but I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do mm-hmm. um, based on how I wanted to be perceived or how I was going to be successful. And I, I never really started feeling like I was successful until I just, I stopped like looking outside of myself for all of the answers and um, started just feeling what does yes feel like in my body? What does no feel like? Um, Checking into that, obviously like using my intellect as well to make like well-rounded decisions, but also not feeling like I have to be like, you know, the star of some particular brand that I'm affiliated with at the moment, because that changes, you know, and like not feeling like I even have to be the star of my, my own business, you know, but just being like, okay, like I'm really vibing with this particular class format or this style of massage, or, you know, I'm going to introduce, start weaving these concepts into my classes and stuff like that. And that's when it just became so much more genuine And, um, I think that's where I, I sort of just came into my own and started really looking to myself rather than to whatever was popular in the moment or, or even people that I admire, like I can still admire people and learn from them, um, without feeling like I have to emulate them. So it was definitely an inside job. So I think being your own is an inside job. That was not a lame answer at all. (laughs) That was really, that was really good. Um, I love what you said about know what yes feels like and know what no feels like. Um, because I can speak from, from businesses, business decisions specifically, there is this, um, trap, I guess that we can fall into say yes, or to say no, um, because of the ego, like, because of doing what you think will keep you safe, will get you money, will get you like, uh, you know, whatever, like that will, that will open up a door for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's okay. Like, I mean, if anybody has ever made a decision, based off of ego, I've, I've heard people say like, oh, I can't believe I did that three years ago. And I was just saying earlier in this podcast that I can't believe I quit my job before I was like the most ready that I could have possibly have been. Um, but that's how we learn what yes and no feels like um, mm-hmm. is by making decisions out of alignment. And you can, you can, um, I was actually talking about this with one of my friends the other day. Um, we both used to do uh, we both used to do Arbon together, which is for those of you who may be unfamiliar, probably you are. Arbon is a multi-level marketing um, company that we decided to together start to sell. Um, we thought that we were going to be different. We're like, we're not going to be like, um, you know, forceful or salesy. We're going to do this differently. We're going to do it in an authentic way. Um, and we both ultimately learned the lesson that that's not possible for us personally. We, we, we cannot, we cannot, we're not, we're not going to do this. This was a bad idea and we've made fun of ourselves for it. Um, but we talked about like, why didn't we learn this sooner? Why didn't we pick this up sooner? Um, for me personally, I knew within about a month, I was like, all right, I gave it three weeks. Uh, this is not an alignment for me. I tried good for me. I'm happy for myself. Um, but this is not an alignment for me because you can't be objective when you're talking about wellness or health or, or nutrition, when you are working under a company whose main source of, of motivation is to have people buy more than they need. Um, I mean, that was just like what my education was. Um, and she was kind of asking me like, why didn't I learn sooner? Why didn't I go out when you did? Um, and that's just like, you're able to transmute things on your own time. Breakthroughs come in on your own time. Things click for you on your own time. Um, 
So I don't know how I got on that tangent, but it seemed relevant. Um, it, oh yeah, just like business decisions, authenticity is an inside job. Yeah. Um, that's a very good answer. I mean, that's a very, very good answer. And I know yoga, anybody who practices yoga enough to the, to the point that they've had a, a, a change in perception about themselves, I don't want to call it a breakthrough because that can be very different things, but mm-hmm. there's a, a softening of the perception of yourself or the world around you. Um, they'll, you'll know that like yoga helps you transmute these things and like change the way that you feel. Um, and all, all like, if you're a yogi practitioner or you practice yoga, all of the things that we just talked about might have been communicated through you, through your body at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of these things can't be understood on a cerebral conscious level. Um, I know my dad always wants to know exactly how things work and what to expect before he tries them. And mm-hmm. yoga has taught me to to not like to just be in the moment and let your body speak. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that felt like a lot to say, but it all felt important. Yeah, um, definitely. yeah. So that's all that I have for you. Um, thank you so much. I felt like this was, that was good. I feel like these, these interviews just keep getting better and better. So, um, thank you so much for, for joining. How can people, uh, get a sense of what, like, your your how can people find you like how can they come into your world and get a sense of like what you offer and um where where to where to play with you where to hang out yeah um so i mentioned this earlier we're live streaming all of our classes i certainly all of my classes um are hybrid so i'm teaching in studio and also live streaming so you can join us from anywhere if you want to check out a class um jtb wellness it's j t b like boy um it's my initials but my last name used to be bridge so um so jtbwellness.com and then um instagram we're super active on there at jtbwellness my personal instagram is at beam your heart if you want to see pictures of me and my kid um but yeah that's like those are the primary primary avenues of connection for us right now do you still have the um opportunity for free uh, like a week of free virtual classes for yes, I have an opt-in so if you go to the website um, you'll get a little pop-up and I I don't remember what it is specifically right now I know you get a, an on-demand pre-recorded class with me um, that gets sent right into your inbox and then um, the opportunity to sign up for I think you're right Katie like a week of free live stream classes mm-hmm. and then we have an in-studio um, new student unlimited one week for like $20 so if you're in central Mass Massachusetts that's great but you can connect with us um virtually through zoom right now too yeah I I mean I will say I'm in I'm in Las Vegas and I've taken Jess's classes virtually so I definitely advocate for them I I love the balance that you bring to classes and I never feel like I'm at home by myself (laughs) when I take your classes like I I always feel part of it Oh, thank you. I, that's, that's been a really hard adjustment. <laughs> I never taught virtually on anything about anything um, until we started having to do that last year. And uh, I, yeah, I've, I try to make eye contact with the camera and try and like use people's names and stuff so it can be a more connected experience, even if you are at home. Mm-hmm. Even just on the, the, there was one class that you put up online um, that appeared to be recorded like I guess at the beginning of the pandemic because you had a, you had a full room or this was probably before I don't know but you had a full room in your hot room your like hot yoga room mm-hmm. um and I I don't remember you ever like 
calling to the camera at all. Like, I just felt like, I mean, I, this is, (laughs) I felt like a fly on the wall, but at the same time, I very much felt like I was in on it. And, um, I, I don't know what you did or what the magic was because there have been times where I've taken like a, a class that somebody filmed on their iPhone that they put in the back of the room. And I just felt very disconnected from it. And I just didn't want to do it. Um, I didn't have that motivation, but I don't feel that way when I take your classes. So thank you. I don't, I, I don't know what you did, but it was awesome. There was like a hot yoga class. I know class. exactly what class we're talking about. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it was like, like a hot class. And, yeah, um, yeah and, it was a full house. Yeah. So what I did was I didn't put up the heat in my room, but I, in my, where I was, where I was, there was no heat, but I didn't have air conditioning on and I just let myself go slow. And that mm-hmm. I think really just let me tap into my body, even though I wasn't there physically feeling the energy of everyone else. Um, it still let me be in my own body without this pressure or anything like that. So, um, for those listening, I highly recommend, I mean, people have asked me throughout the pandemic, where do I get good yoga? Where do I get good yoga? Cause it is incredibly overwhelming. Um, I know like my husband and I go to different avenues for yoga. He really likes Leslie fight master. I have a Peloton and I don't even use their yoga platform because it's just not for me. Um, so if you're looking out for the yoga, that's, you know, just for you, um, consider Jess and JTB wellness as your option, because I think that I, I personally vouch for it. So, um, thank you Jess so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. So until, um, next time. Thank you so much for joining me today on an episode of the Be Your Own Muse podcast. I do not take it lightly at all that you are here with me, and I sincerely hope that you're able to find some takeaway for your work, your productivity, how you approach your to-do lists, how you think of creativity and the creative process differently, even how you look at yourself in the mirror. If you had any takeaways that you'd love to share with me, please screenshot this episode and tag me at I am underscore my own muse. And if you really enjoyed this episode and you have a friend who would resonate with this, please share this episode with them because I do believe that this message that I have shared with you could change so many people's lives. Also, feel free to join us at the Be Your Own Muse Facebook group to find like-minded individuals such as yourself and participate in challenges, giveaways, live podcast recordings, and interesting conversation topics. Please search Be Your Own Muse, a free group for artists, visionaries, and change makers to join the community that holds space for expansion and inspiration for artists, dreamers, and vision holders. Thank you so much again, and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode.